Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And uh, Stephen Pritchard, well, has anything much changed in the last week with currencies and commodities? Um, not a lot. Printings are pretty much stable. Um, uh, the, gold, the gold price was uh, down uh, $4.85 to $1,756 an ounce. Uh, the copper price was down $20 a tonne to $9,059. Uh, a ton, and the crude oil price was up um, $2.86 a barrel to $105.58. Now that's in $8, um, so the crude price is going up in $8 because the, the Australian dollar continues to uh, fall, plus the underlying oil price is actually going up as well. So um, that, that's a considerable rise over the last few months, isn't um, it? On the 11th of April, it was $92.67. Okay. Um, so we've gone up $13 a barrel in Australian yes. terms and the Australian dollars dropped two cents against the US in that stage. So, so those we'd two, have to yeah. do some maths and work out what the underlying, which we haven't got, yeah. But, but the, the underlying oil price is going up, yeah. Um, the US dollar, uh, as we said, is uh, is we've fallen again against the US dollar this week to uh, 75.15, so it, it maintains its slight, slight drift down. Um, the the We've fallen against the Great British Pound to 55.48 pence, and we've also fallen, uh, we've gone up, sorry, a slight against the euro to 63.64 euro cents. Um, we're talking about a fraction of a decimal um, and the All Ordinaries Index was down um, 25.2 points on the week to 6,190. Um, the S&P Index was, was down 0.6 on the week to 2,722 compared to 2,723.7 last week. Um, and the, the Nikkei was uh, up 33.2 to 7,734. Mm. And... The UK index was, sorry, sorry, the UK was 7,734, which was up 33.2, and the Nikkei was 22,717, which was up 220 points. Mm. We got that right. Um, and the, the, the local investment stocks, BHP continues to uh, go up on the back of rising commodity prices and some announcements this week. So it was up $1.77 on the week to $34.52. Uh, CBA is continuing its downward drift was $70.54, which is down $0.44 cents on the week. Uh, NIB is recovered a bit this week to $5.85. And, of course, we have been predicting for some time that Telstra, you would see a two in front of that. Well, that's fallen quite significantly calculate this week actually 32 cents um to two dollars 85 well you were right yes, uh, we're right and i wouldn't mm. be surprised what's your next that, prediction i think it's going to continue to fall for a while <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about it a bit later and um the the um there was no changes in the unleaded pestle price in newcastle a dollar 44.1 this week compared to last week and the same in sydney a dollar 42.9 mm. um and the diesel price in Newcastle was $1.44.7, which is up uh, 1.8 cents in the week. And Sydney was $1.43.2, which is up 2 cents on the week. Right. Okay. So we can expect changes at the petrol pump too. I'm yes. Sure. Yes. And it is time for our market update. And do remember, if you have a question on your personal investment, your taxation or the stock market, give us a call, 49216216. 
Now, uh, we're going to look at some of the stocks in the market. It's always good to go down a little bit deeper. And we're talking about Wilson Asset Management here, and uh, they're thinking that AMP might have some problems still. Yeah, there's there's been the... a lot of commentary in the market with the with the the, the, the fall in the share price of AMP that at some stage it's um, it's going to be a, a good buy. Um, but Jeff Wilson from uh, Wilson Asset Management is well known for um, speaking out and what he thinks and and uh, not glassing, uh, glossing over things has come out this week and saying, you know, he's warned investors against buying AMP and he's, and he's, he's basically publicly said that the AMP financial uh, planning business is rotten to the core. Well, gee, that's so, strong. So that's a big statement to say. Yeah. So um, in, in view of Wilson Asset Management's track record, um, they're a very good asset management form, a couple of list investment companies. Uh, I think you'd have to take his, his statements pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. And he said this about a few other things, and it subsequently turned out to be correct. So anyone who thinks that um, they're going to do some uh, value investing at uh, AMP, there's a bit of a warning for you. It's dropping quite significantly yeah, still. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't, don't want this this morning. And they've probably got a lot of personnel changes happening as well. well so. at the, yeah, at the board level, I think there's more. Uh-huh. More, more, more changes going to occur there. That always makes things a little bit unsettled. You just don't know how. Well, I think that place form. needs to become unsettled. <laughs> <laughs> and I think obviously, it needs Jeff to be Wilson un- does too. Unsettled. <laughs> um, you know, you know, there's people been on that board. You know, and there's all this issue now about gender debate. But you know, if someone's been sitting on the board for twelve years and doesn't notice this, this has been going on. You, you have to ask what they've been doing. You, you know, how could you not know? They should have you it know, over. And it's got nothing to do with, with whether they're male or female or black or Asian or whatever. It's the fact is that they've sat there for all these years and, mm. and don't know what's going on. Mm. You know? mm. I'm sure they'd notice if the director's fees weren't paid one month. Um, <laughs> I think you're probably <laughs> right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we'll uh, and little- Telstra, I mean, Telstra's come out this week and, you, you know, they've... they've further downgraded their profits and there's concerns that the dividend's going to be cut and, and as a result the share price is, is, is at a seven-year low. And I think Telstra's got one of these things that I think is becoming more and more common and is, and is a bit of a worry. I mean, you've got the CEO of Telstra. The board's appointed the CEO like two years, three years ago. And at the time there was questions asked about why are you appointing someone whose experience is running an insurance company who's a previously managing director of AXA to run a telco? And you have to ask, and we've seen this time and time again, there's a lack of experience in these management. Meyer's got no one or very few people who understand retail. The same was the issue at Woolworths. Now Green Cross has turned around and appointed a new managing director whose experience was previously CEO of the Qantas Frequent Flyer program. So what would he know about running a retail and vet supply business? Mm. So I think, you know, investors need to look a bit more closely about what these CEOs are and where their background is. And I think, you know, we're kind of thinking that if people get appointed outside of the 
core level of competence that they've got, you should sell the shares. Mm. And I think yeah, I think something's going to happen in Telstra. I think the share price is going to continue to fall, and I think the CEO is going to have to go. So the price was, if this is a seven-year low, seven it year was low, um, lower than that maybe yeah, seven yeah, years ago. Yeah, but you're talking about time value money. And, oh, yeah, you are mm, too. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm. Absolute terms, that's probably, you know, if you discounted that back. Uh, it's probably, you know, back then it probably would be equivalent to a dollar or something. Yeah, yeah. it probably would. Yeah. Um, so and another company that's been in the uh, the news lately. Yeah, I think there's Santos. a while to go on this. Um, um, Santos, as there's been a Harbour Energies, well, they made a takeover offer to start with and 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 it um, uh, Santos told them it was too cheap and they basically went, went away and now they've come back with a further non-binding conditional offer. Um and so that's now they've now lodged a binding conditional offer of four dollars ninety eight US, which is approximately six dollars fifty. Um, Santos has made a few you know, announcements along the lines that they don't think it reflects the full value of the shares. So, so I wouldn't think that anyone who's got any Santos shares, I wouldn't be selling them at the moment. I think you know, there's this game's got further to play. There's there's a possibility that another bidder will come in. Um, the oil price is going up. The gas prices is falling. So that makes Santos worth more and more money. So I think, you know, mm. just sit there and hold those. Mm. Brian, we've got you back again. And, uh, well, let's have the second half of your question about capital gains. Okay. I've, I've uh, invested a few properties over the years. And uh, just recently one of my tenants decided to move out, so I thought I'd sell the property. Um, so I'm up for some capital gains, I one would think, but I was talking to a friend and he said the one way to avoid capital gains tax is for me, myself, to actually to move into the property for 12 months uh, as my home residence um, and I could do some renovations while I lived there and sold it and uh, sell it another in the 12-month period and I wouldn't be able to pick up um, sales tax. Sales tax? Capital gains tax. Sorry, sorry, capital gains tax. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, do you want my answer to that? Yeah. Complete rubbish. Well, there you go. Absolute rubbish. So, the capital gains tax, the principal place exemption. If you were to do that, the what what you would need to do is you moved into it works two ways. This so you it's rental per first, and then it became your residence. Okay. Yeah. So basically, what happens? is you, the capital gains tax would be apportioned over the period it was your residence and the period it was your non-residence. So if you had it, for example, for 10 years and you moved in it for a year, the capital gains tax liability would be calculated on um, 10 elevenths. Right. Well, I've had, the, I've had the property for uh, um, probably 25 years. So you bought it post 1985, you bought it post nineteen eighty five then. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So if you had it for twenty five years and you moved in it for one year, um, the, the the year that it was your principal place of residence would would be exempt from capital gains. That's correct. But the other twenty four years wouldn't be. And then the only issue you've got then is what's going to happen to the house that you're currently living in. Yes. Yeah. So that, I think that, that would then become subject to capital gains. There you go. I think it's pie in the sky. It's just, and, uh, just complete just, nonsense. Yes, I'm going to pay my taxes and uh, curse the government uh, every day. Yeah, well, you can do all that, but, you know, you've got to be very... People go around and say these things, and they've got absolutely no idea what they're talking about, yes. and you'll end up in a bigger mess. Exactly. 
Yeah. That's why I thought I'd give you a phone call and okay. get the, uh, the truth. Thanks, Brian. Excellent, David. Um, Brian, sorry, that is really, really good. Um, now, would you, do you know this background? He's, he, he, he's David Hawkins. David Hawkins and Michael. Who are they? Salah. Okay, David, you might need to ring us back and let it, give us a little bit more detail. Okay, let's go back to our market update at this stage. And um, Okay, so another takeover thing. Um, Brookfield, Brookfield Asset Management um, suggested they're making a takeover off of the Hellscope at $2.50. So we've now got um, one proposed takeover off the table from private equity. We've got another proposal that's being developed to buy the Hellscope properties. And we've now got a third proposal for uh, an offer for, not, these are all non-binding conditional at this stage, of $2.50 for Hellscope. So once again, I think we're in for a, a fair um, bit of... Uh, action in this healthscape market competition market eh? competition <laughs> and once again um you know if you're holding healthscape um we're, we're not recommending that you do anything just sit back and wait what happens right and uh coca-cola amatil their shares have been falling a bit um yes well coca-cola amatil's had, had a bit of a tough time over the last couple of years um you know there's been issues raised about the the amount of sugar that's in um Coca-Cola, um, and I think you know one of the. I think they're, they're, they're one of the. They're their own worst enemy, really. I mean, why they build? Why they're selling these bigger and bigger bottles um, just to get the volume up? And people are concerned about health and the and the sugar content. And so they are, now they're trying to reformulate the the formula of Coca-Cola so that it's going to have less sugar, um, but it might taste different. So. Um, I would have thought they need to look at um, other ways of solving their problems, and they've tried. They've tried. One of the ways they were attempting to save it was the sale of water. Well, of course, now they were selling water at the same price they were selling Coca-Cola and mm. other soft drinks. But of course, now Woolworths has come in, and I think Woolworths and Coles at one stage were selling twenty-four bottles for six or eight dollars or something. Mm. Yeah, whereas previously if you that's big bottles or small no no bottles. they were selling small packs right. yeah okay. bought them for someone's birthday party I thought this okay. is bad. yeah for six or eight dollars for a, a carton of 24 so they're not going to be able to get three dollars a bottle anymore so I think Coca-Cola's got problems and I think the management needs to think about what what they do and then when I was a kid Coca-Cola came in small bottles and it was 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 you know you're very lucky to you wouldn't have five three litre bottles in the fridge mm. no you wouldn't you wouldn't no. buy in bulk would you no, no. Mm. but don't they have other products as well it's not just uh the they've got the stuff. um coca-cola's got the uh what have they got they've got the soft drinks the, i think they've got some flavored milk um they've got the brewery business in fiji and and bounty rum which is one of the best rums in the world supposedly it keeps winning the awards at london um one London liquor show, and they've got the SPC business. Mm, okay. Yeah. So they've got quite a bit. And uh, Myers, certainly, we've heard about its problems over uh, the last well, apparently few years. Myers is having trouble, uh, having trouble um, selling their winter stock. 
so they're going to have to clear it. I, w I would have thought you'd wait a bit longer until it got cold, but nevertheless, we don't know anything about retail. So Maya's going to have to discount their winner stock, so they're expecting as a result of this they're not going to make the margins, um, and they're expecting to make, and this is going to lead to their fourth profit downgrade in a row. Mm. Of course, it would help if they actually had a few people at the store to serve you, because when I was up at Maya a couple of weeks ago, I... You know, you you couldn't find anyone even if you wanted to buy anything. Yes. Yeah. So wouldn't that be the first mm. principle of retail? Oh, I don't <laughs> know. Well, sell? the chairman said he doesn't know anything about retail. That is retail in a shop. That no, is, the chairman of Meyer said he knew nothing about uh, retail. Yes. Okay. So we're back <laughs> to to yeah, people at the top not necessarily having the background. And just a, a final a final item. Um, what about BHP, the big Australian? Well, BHP BHP has come out and said they're they're expecting to give um, investors as higher returns. Um, the commodity cycle is improving, so their returns are improving. Um, in the past, they 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 um, wasted on more extra cash on acquisitions. Um, they um, bought some shale oil assets that they for twenty five billion, which they're now proposing to sell for ten billion. So hopefully, hopefully that all the extra profits they're going to get. Um, from the rising iron ore and um, oil and other commodities that they're in, don't get don't get frittered away on further acquisitions, but are given back to shareholders as mm. dividends, and that's what the market's kind of expecting. Mm. And that's our look at the market today. We'll have Henry Jennings back next week. Uh, Henry will be back with us next week. He's yeah. just off this week. Well, and it is getting to the end of the financial year, Stephen Pritchard. And the shuffling of the papers goes on. Oh, goes on we must have, I don't know, six weeks or something to the end of the financial year. Yeah, it would be about six, six weeks, weeks, wouldn't it? But it is time to start thinking about the things that might help you with tax deductions. The things that might help you with tax deductions if you're in a fortunate position to want to help with tax deductions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, of course, donating to charities. Um, one yeah, of one of the things you can you can do to get your tax down and, and maybe make you feel good is um, donate to, to charities. Um, one charity, of course, is the local Westpac helicopter. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah, they, I'm sure they'll be pleased to take donations. Um, but what we suggest is that um, if you want to donate to charities, you, you need to probably make a plan during the year how much you're going to donate because there seems to be every time I turn around, there's someone ringing me up or there's a letter coming through the mailbox and wanting money for this and money for that. So I think you know, you know you need to you need to you need to do a bit of planning on who you who you donate money to charities to um is it too late to make a plan for this financial year oh no it's not you've got six weeks Indeed. why wouldn't you make why wouldn't you make one for the next year and just start in may okay yeah and um and and one of the things you need to look at is is that um and I'll be, I'll become particularly interested in this because our firm, you know, we, we have a kind of a informal process where the staff raise some money for some charities and the firm matches whatever the staff raises. So one of the ones we give some money to, I thought I'd, I'd pull out a get their financial statements to see what. And, and this is important. You need to find out where your money's going. So this is a well-known charity, well-known. Last year they had revenue of eighty-four million dollars. And they had total expenses of $79 million. So, but when you actually add it up, 
And of the 84 million they collect for research and um, other charitable institutions, less than $30 million of that has actually gone to research, regional delivery program, whatever that may mean, advocacy and prevention. The rest of this money, the rest of this $84 million has gone on fundraising expenses of $22 million, um, information and support services of almost $7 million, marketing of almost $4 million, and infrastructure administration of almost eight million dollars. Oh, that's so staggering! Yeah, it's staggering, isn't it? Yeah. And and then they've added another four million to reserve, or another eight million to reserve. So you end up with this charity that's always out requesting money, and they're funding research, and very little appears to be going into research. And they're sitting on eleven million dollars cash at bank, ninety three million dollars of other investments, and twenty three million dollars of plant and equipment. Uh, do you think that's repeated across other um, well, charities? This is, I'm going to go and have a look, but I think, you know. Yeah. There's you a need, chance it might be. Yes, it's a chance. I think there's a big chance it might be. Mm. So what you need to do is when you're thinking of which charities, mm. do a bit of work, ask for their financial statements, and if they can't produce them, I wouldn't be giving them any money. Mm. Ask for their audited financial statements. They can't produce them. Don't give them any money. And have a look at where the money's actually being spent. I mean, really, a question of this place that we've got here should be asked is why are they accumulating all this money and why isn't it being spent where people think it's being spent? You know, mm. why do they need $120 million for a charitable organisation mm. that just funds... Yes, other things. Mm. Um, so, so I think you know. I think this is becoming widespread. A lot of these charities, particularly the larger ones, yes, are just accumulating funds for um, for a rainy day for a rainy day and empire buildings. Is it is it easy to get hold of these figures? Financial um, figures? Yeah, most of them are on the Australian Charities and Nonprofits Associations website. Um, so that's the regulatory body for charities. All the larger ones, it's, it's a bit quite confusing, and I don't quite understand when they're supposed to lodge accounts and when they're not. Um, but you could ring the Australian Charities and Non-Profit Commission's phone number, I'm sure, if you wanted to help. And if, you, if, 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 if they haven't got them, I'd ring the charity itself and ask for the CEO. I mean, they're collecting money for the public. You're an interested person. You're going to give them some money. You want to know where it's being spent. And if they can't produce it or they give you some nonsense that it's private or something like that, I wouldn't be giving them any money. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you need to look at the results that's the outcomes of, of what's actually happening. So you're giving this money for, say, the rescue helicopter, um, which is a local charity, um, you know, is the money being spent on going around and rescuing people, which I kind of know that it is because I know some people over there, um, or is it just being accumulated in some reserves for we a don't know day. what, a rainy day? <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, why do you need such reserves? Or is it, or is it there's a little charity in uh, Beaumont Street, Hamilton, where they, where they collect uh, money to help these sex dogs for people who can't afford it and... Mm. And I'm sure every little cent's accounted for by the, all the volunteers down there. And so it's largely run by volunteers. It's largely so run. It I think it's all run by costs. volunteers. Yeah. They don't have the people costs. Yes. And, you know, the, the women make some things to sell in the shop. Mm. Um, so, so, you know, you need to look at, do a bit of work, find out where your money's actually going. Um, mm. And be particularly careful if you're walking down the street and there's people in the street collecting money in buckets. 
Ah, yes. Yes. What are we looking out for? I mean, yes, okay, buckets are very easy to dip into. Well, apart from the fact they're dipping into, how do you know it isn't just someone who's got a bucket and stuck a sign on their head and collecting the money? Yes. You you should Mm. always get, you always need to get a receipt. Always need to get a receipt. Well, you want one anyway if you're hoping to get a tax deduction. We're looking at donating to charities and, Tom, we talked about tax deductibility. Yeah, I mean, not all charities um, that you donate to are entitled to a tax deduction. You're not entitled to a tax deduction. So the first thing is you need to keep your receipts. You need to um, get a, a... If the donation is $2 or more, you can claim a tax deduction and you can claim a total tax deduction up to $10 without receipts. Oh, okay. For the whole year. Mm, oh, <laughs> for all your donations. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So so if you've got receipts, yeah. Um, you can uh, receipts. You need for to claim a tax deduction of more than two dollars, and but if you've got unverifiable money you put in the bucket, you can claim a maximum of ten dollars for the whole year, without a receipt. Now you need to be careful of what you define as charity. So so basically, the only people you're entitled to claim a receipt for, is entities that have a deduct deductible gift recipient status number one or number two and they will have a registration number which will be on the receipt deductible gift gift recipient recipient. now an example of this is where people get very confused if you give money to the salvation army for example they're not a deductible gift recipient so you're not entitled to a tax deduction for that if you give money to the red shield appeal it is a deductible gift recipient, so you are entitled to a tax deduction either up to a maximum of $10 or the amount on the receipt. And do you have to write that if you're writing a cheque on the cheque? No, no. Or just on the form? They should give you the receipt with that. They should give you a receipt for that. Um, Now, the other thing that people get confused about is they've come in and you've got some tickets for the RSL raffle through the the RSL houses or there's someone else in there in Queensland runs those... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Art union things. Yeah, art union things, right. Um, you're not entitled to a tax deduction for those. Okay. Um, because a donation means that you give money away and get nothing in return. If you're buying raffle tickets um, for the Lions Club or the Rotary Club or, 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 or any of these other people that you buy raffle tickets to, you're not entitled to a tax deduction. A, because they're generally not deductible gift recipients, and B, because you're getting something in return. Now, the other thing that, that there's a lot of scam people around, and they, they typically ring you up and ask for you to give donations. Or the other thing that seems to be people are getting more and more upset about is you give some money once, and the next minute you're getting all these mail coming through, you know, wasting money um, on charitable to try and get more donations in. And I don't know what you do about that. I mean, you could ring them up and tell them that if you keep sending it, um, you won't donate at all. <laughs> but I think we've had experience from that that they take no notice anyhow. Yes, yes. So it is actually a problem, isn't it? That's a days? problem. And this cost must be costing you. I mean, they're working on this volume direct marketing theory. You send out enough, you'll get some, some money in. Mm. But it's wasting money. It is wasting money. So donating to charity is not just as simple it's as that. It's not simple. And if you want to get a tax deduction the current year, it has to be to a DGE1 or a DGR 2 and the money has to be actually paid across and receded prior to the 30th of June. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. And we will be talking finance again next Thursday on 2NURFM.